Part eight of Extracts from a Diary kept by the Reverend R. Burroughs during Hecke's War in the North in eighteen forty five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. November the first. I received a letter this morning from Archdeacon Williams asking me to meet him at Kawiti's settlement at the head of the Kawakawa River. A messenger had come from Hecke, who was then in that neighbourhood, to desire the archdeacon to pay him a visit, to talk over with him the letter he had received from the government, containing the terms upon which peace would be made. I was not able to comply with the archdeacon's request, but promised to meet him on his return. I had seen an outline of the terms offered, the substance of which was, that Hecke and Kawiti, on behalf of themselves and their people, should consent to give up certain specified lands, as an acknowledgment of their wrongdoings. These conditions are not officially made public by the government, but are well known among the natives. November the 2nd. A conversation this morning with natives who have just come from the Kawakawa. From these men I learned that Kawiti denounced the terms at once and said, No, let us fight on if they want our lands, and when we are killed they can take them. He is now making good progress with the pa at Rua Peka Peka. November the 3rd. Our bishop came upon us quite unawares about one o'clock today, having walked in from Waitangi. He stayed about three hours, and then walked back again, to go on in the government brig to the southern settlements, which is to leave tonight. His lordship spent part of his time in looking at and lamenting over the dilapidated state of the station, but remarked, it is not worse than I expected. He visited the graves of Captain Grant and Lieutenant Philpot, remarking that he would write to the latter's father, the Bishop of Exeter, and inform him that the remains of his son had been carefully buried. We received much encouragement from his lordship to persevere in our work. November the 4th. Archdeacon Williams has returned from his visit to Hecke and Kawiti. The latter is very decided not to agree to any of their land being taken. Hecke also remarked that what they had been told, namely the depriving them of their lands, the governor was now trying to accomplish. November the 7th. Native services as usual, but few in attendance. At the present time, the neutral natives, together with some of Hecke's and Waka's people, are at the sea, fishing, and often pass and repass each other. There does not appear to be any animosity between them. I am trying to get together my native teachers for Monday morning school. A lukewarmness, I am sorry to say, has come over both the teachers and the taught. Let us have peace, they say, and we will return to our former work. November the 9th. Went to the bay, crossed over to call upon Colonel Despard. He was desirous to know if Hecke and Kawiti were likely to submit to the government terms. My reply was, I think not, but as they are terms which, if accepted by the rebels, would be, in my opinion, no credit to the government, I did not prolong the conversation on this point. The pa at the Rua Peka Peka is advancing, but there are not many of those who are termed Heke's men taking any part in its erection. Most of them are at their own settlements. Waka's people are divided, some at Ohaiwai, some at Hokianga, and some in the bay. A visit from Ruhe this morning to press my going to see Heke relative to the terms of peace. 
he was not aware that Archdeacon Williams had seen both Hecke and Kawiti so recently. When I told him the result of the interview, he no longer pressed my going. Sunday, November the 14th. One native and one English service today. Some few of Waka's people came in from Maui. Went to Te Ahu Ahu in the afternoon and held service with the natives of that settlement. Monday. Had my usual school for natives this morning, specially for native teachers. A fair number present. Tuesday. A messenger arrived with letters from Auckland and Paihia. The natives flocked around me to hear the news. When I told them a new governor had arrived in Auckland, Governor Gray, and that Governor Fitzroy was recalled, one old chief remarked, This is the governor, I suppose, who has been sent to punish us more severely, as Governor Fitzroy has been thought too merciful, and wishes to put a stop to war. The old man looked at me for some reply. I could only answer, He is new to us all, we must wait and see. My letter from Auckland informs me that Governor Gray will be leaving for the bay almost immediately. Saturday. Most of the natives of Heke's party, and also many of our neutral natives, who have been absent the last eight or ten days at the sea fishing, return today, all very inquisitive about the new governor. Some European had been telling them that he was come to pursue and destroy all those who had been in arms against the government. Sunday. Our native congregation amounted to some two hundred this morning, those who returned from the bay yesterday helping to swell the number. Sunday school in afternoon. Monday. A note from Archdeacon Williams to say that the governor had arrived in the bay and recommending me to go down and pay my respects, etc. Tuesday. Left for Paihia early. The governor, in company with Sir Everard Holm of HMS Northstar and Colonel Despard, landed on the beach just as I arrived. I was introduced to His Excellency by the colonel. He was pleased to say he was glad to see me, that he heard from Colonel Despard of my position among the natives. The governor asked many questions as to the present state and feelings of Heke and his people. Wednesday. The governor is anxious to get together as many of Wacker's people and the neutral natives as he possibly can, and has appointed tomorrow, Thursday, for a meeting to be held at Corarareca. I rode into the Waimate to induce as many as possible of our natives to go down. Thursday. A fair number of us left early and crossed the bay to Corarareca. A very strong north wind which had been blowing all night prevented the natives from the Rawiti and the islands at the back of Corarareca from coming round, so the governor agreed to defer the meeting till tomorrow. I paid His Excellency a visit on board the Elphinstone. Our conversation turned upon the present aspect of affairs. Questions asked by His Excellency, was another par being built? Yes. Did I think the terms for peace put forth by his predecessor were likely to be accepted? No. Did Heke and Kawiti consider them still open for their acceptance? I thought they did. Governor Gray was pleased to communicate to me his views so far, that inasmuch as such terms had been made to them by the late governor, he would like to write a letter to Heke and Kawiti to ask them, in so many words, whether they accepted or refused them, giving them, say till Tuesday, to return an answer. Heke was at this time at Hikorangi, 
a settlement about eight miles from Kaikohe, and nearly thirty from the bay. I offered the governor to see that his letter was forwarded to Hecke without delay, saying I had no doubt Archdeacon Williams would undertake to forward a copy to Kawiti. Friday. Sent away a man this morning to take the governor's letter to Hecke, with a message that I would see him myself if he desired it, but that I had no further advice to give him as to the acceptance or non-acceptance of the terms of peace. About noon, the Rawiti natives landed on the beach from their canoes. Some natives also pulled over from the Kerikeri River. At one o'clock p.m., His Excellency left his ship under a salute and landed on Korarareka Beach. His address to the natives present, numbering probably three hundred, was short but to the point. He assured them that he had been sent by Her Majesty the Queen not to set aside the Treaty of Waitangi, but to uphold it, that no portion of their lands would be taken from them, nor alienated in any way without their consent, that they were at liberty to sell or withhold from sale any portion or the whole of it at their discretion, but he would have them clearly understand that having once sold it was gone for ever. As to the terms for peace which had been offered to the rebels by his predecessor, he had written a joint letter to Hecke and Kawiti, giving them until Tuesday next to send him a decided answer, yes or no. If they refused, he should hold no further communication with them. He was sorry, he said, for those deluded men who had taken up arms against Her Majesty, who could, if she wished, destroy them all. But he could assure them that the Queen desired only their good, etc., etc. He had been told that some of the neutral natives had suffered in the loss of food and other things which had been taken from them during the war, that without inquiring too minutely as to the parties who had done them this wrong, he would see that some compensation should be made. The governor thanked Waka and his people for their loyalty, and also expressed his satisfaction and that of the government for the course taken by a large number of the natives in remaining neutral. Waka and other chiefs made short speeches suitable to the occasion, and the meeting terminated. Saturday. Returned to the Waimate this morning, accompanied by two or three of St. John's students from the Tamaki, who had chosen to come northward to spend a part of their holidays. Sunday. Two full native services. Several baptisms. A messenger from Heke to ask me to visit him at Hikorangi. Monday. Left soon after daylight. Breakfasted with Mr. Davis at Kakohe, and then rode on to Hikorangi. Found a considerable number of natives at the place. On my nearing Heke's hut, he saluted me with Tenarako Korua Kotekawana Ho. Salutations to the new governor and you. I heard what he had to say in reference to the document he had received. He inquired if this governor was a bigger man than his predecessor. Had he come with more power? Would he be able to obtain more soldiers? And many more questions in the same strain. I soon found that he had heard the substance of the governor's speech at Corralareca. A native who was present, and who is a first-rate verbal reporter of anything that transpires at public meetings, had preceded me. I proposed returning in the evening, but Hecke objected, saying that his answer to the new governor's letter was not ready, and, moreover, that many of his people who must agree to the contents thereof would not be in till evening to hear it read. 
i had no alternative therefore but to stay the night during the afternoon hecke was closely engaged with two or three of his leading men finishing his answer to the governor's letter walking out behind the settlement i had an opportunity of seeing something of the extent of their cultivations and was surprised at the large quantity of kumaras potatoes tara etc they have growing evidently preparing to have a place to come to in the event of being followed up after having to desert rua peca peca towards nightfall the people from without began to assemble and in due time the bell rang and a native teacher who was with us at my request took the prayers hecke then read over again the governor's letter commenting upon it as he proceeded the treaty of waitangi he called out so as to be heard by all herore a mouse or rat trap let the governor and his soldiers go back to england to the land that god has given them and leave new zealand to us to whom god has given it no we will not give up our lands if the pakeha foreigner wants our country he will have to fight for it for we will die upon our lands several others spoke all in the same strain after the dispatch from the governor was duly discussed hecke's reply was read some few alterations made and then the question was put shall this letter be sent to the new governor aye the second time you all say that this letter shall go to the governor the voices raised still higher aye it was now nearly midnight i was very tired and asked to be shown where i was to sleep i was conducted to a shed standing alone at some little distance from their own huts and shown a raised platform in one corner carefully covered over with native mats and a couple of blankets spread over them there was neither lamp nor candle a torch was burning some distance from the doorway of the hut i was alone and soon fell asleep tuesday up at daylight curiosity led me to lift the mats covering the platform upon which i had been sleeping and i discovered that it consisted of some twenty kegs of gunpowder carefully placed upon thick rough-hewn planks laid on the earthen floor with planks of the same kind laid over them had some further conversation with hecke on the contents of his answer to the governor's letter counselled its being couched in more respectful language although he had refused the terms he replied you heard the letter read and the fakaitanga the consent of all present that it should be sent i will have a fair copy made and send it after you after breakfasting on kumaras and a few dried cockles i left hikoranga rested a little while at kaikohe lunched with mr and mrs davis and rode on to the waimate wednesday hecke's letter was forwarded early this morning i left for the bay after breakfast to advise with archdeacon williams and to be on the spot should the governor wish to see me or to communicate further with hecke as i expected from the impertinent character of hecke's reply his excellency holds no further communication with him having heard the document read and discussed i am of course acquainted with its contents but do not feel at liberty to copy the document verbatim leaving it to appear as i presume it will among his excellency's official papers i may venture however to enter in my diary this much that it contained a direct refusal to submit to any terms which included the forfeiture of land 
had they not already paid enough by the loss of the settlements which had been burnt and destroyed by the soldiers, the plantations rooted up, etc., etc., taking it for granted that notwithstanding I had counselled Hecke to soften down the language he had used, he sent the letter as I heard it read. It was one by no means exhibiting respect for the Queen's representative. The Governor had signed himself in his letter to Hecke as the Kawanaho, the new Governor. Hecke, in his answer, signed himself Hone Hecke Pokaiho, the new John Hecke Pokai, saturday the governor has left for auckland i returned inland to-day for sunday services at the waimate and te ahuahu tuesday a note from the bay informs us that the whole force has left kororareka and is slowly moving up the kawakawa river rode out to maue to see a party of waka's people who are there taking care of the food they have planted to prevent any of the rebels a number of whom are still in the neighbourhood from destroying it. They wait the removal of Heke and his men to the Ruapeka Peka before they join Waka in the bay. Rode round among the various parties of neutral natives who are living in the district. Was glad to find that none of them have joined and have determined not to join either party. Among these are living a few of Heke's people who are at Ohaiwai. They would gladly stay where they are but will be obliged from fear to take up arms again and proceed to the scene of conflict. Friday. Letters from Auckland, from which we learn that HMS the Castor has arrived from China and that troops from India are on their way to New Zealand. Monday and Tuesday. The last two days I have been out among some of the natives who have been with Heke backwards and forwards from the beginning of the war. It is clear they are quite tired of the present state of things. When I spoke to them about remaining where they are, they replied they were waiting for Heke. If he went to Ruapekapeka, they must go with him. In riding to Pahia, I saw several armed natives on their way to the scene of conflict. These had been with Kawiti in the Pa at Ohaiwai, and said they could not desert him now. Thursday, December the 18th. The caster has arrived, and guns and ammunition are being landed to be conveyed up the river. The governor has also returned, and is with the troops. Archdeacon Williams agrees with me that in the present position of affairs there is little for us to do as missionaries. I therefore decided to return home in the morning. Tuesday and Wednesday, December the 23rd and 24th. The last two days I have been out in the neighbourhood of Kaikohe, looking up neutral natives, and doing my best to keep them from going to Ruapekapeka. Heke has left for the seat of war, and his people are conveying across the country from Hikorangi both provisions and ammunition. I was glad to learn that there has been no addition made to Heke's numbers. All that are likely to join him from this neighbourhood are gone. The remainder of Waka's people have also left Maui. Wednesday Early service at the Waimate, congregation confined to the natives in the immediate vicinity. From this date to Sunday the 4th of January, 1846, there is little I can report of the progress of the war, as I was not an eye-witness to the daily movements of the force towards the Pa. Their progress was of necessity slow, 
owing to the nature of the country over which they had to take their heavy guns, etc. By the first of the new year they were in a position to annoy the rebels in the par, and as I learned afterwards, from some of those who were inside, they were becoming very uncomfortable. The chief execution was done with the guns, as the rebels kept closely within their fortification. Sunday, January the 4th, 1846. Neither the force outside the par, nor the enemy inside, calculated upon this being the last day of fighting, although, as I heard afterward from some of the natives who were in the par, there had been a talk of deserting it shortly, and they had no intention of allowing themselves to be surrounded, but had made every preparation to leave the par before their avenues of escape should be closed. On this Sunday morning, with a view to hold their religious services without being exposed to the fire of the guns, which from past experience they could not calculate would not be used on that Sabbath, the great body of those within the par left it by what I have before named as the back door, and dividing themselves into two or more parties, were engaged in worship when a few of Wacker's men, having probably surmised from the lack of voices or noise in the par how they were employed, made their way towards it, and meeting with no opposition, they were quickly followed by others, and in a short time the par was virtually in the hands of the troops. The rebels made a strenuous but not a prolonged effort to regain possession. The description given afterwards of the fighting which took place varies greatly, according as those who were engaged in the conflict described it. The sailors who were in the struggle are said to have discarded all idea of entering the par, some making their way to the back thereof in pursuit of the enemy, others climbing the palisading to obtain a sight of their whereabouts, whilst many of the soldiers entered the par and took advantage of the loopholes to fire indiscriminately, not knowing that Jack had made his way round to the rear. So it was very generally stated among the sailors themselves that they suffered more from their friends than from their enemies. After an unsuccessful struggle lasting for several hours, the rebels retreated, and Her Majesty's forces were left in possession of the place. Thus ended the actual conflict with Heke and Kawiti. Heke, as I learned afterwards, did not take up his quarters in the par, but remained with his men in the rear, but was engaged in the last struggle. The number of the enemy all told, as far as I could gather, after many inquiries among the different tribes engaged, at no time exceeded four hundred. No attempt was made to follow the rebels into the bush. The par was partially demolished, and the whole force shortly afterwards returned to the bay. The governor went back to Auckland, and in a short time a proclamation appeared, allowing all who had been in rebellion against Her Majesty to return in peace to their homes. It would be difficult, perhaps, to surmise whether the rebels were the best pleased to lay down their arms and go quietly to their settlements, or the Queen's representative, to be able, thus honourably, to put an end to a state of things highly distasteful to himself, and bringing neither honour nor glory to anyone. End of Part 8